1: All right, welcome on to part two of our coach rankings here. We've got a lot to get to. I'm sure we'll have uh, some disagreements uh, as well and we also want to talk about some categories like the best developmental coach the our best coach for a veteran contender the best communicator who we think has the best systems the best playoff x's and o's and uh, maybe those most likely to move up or move down so we'll get to that at the end let's pick up where we left off here though John I mentioned Steve Nash as being in my group that's Basically, from 11 to 20, I had him towards the top of that group. You did not have him as highly, I take it.
2: Yeah, I had him. I had him sixteenth, and I think that's where we where we left off here. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's been kind of a weird year in Brooklyn. I feel like I don't know. There are guys out there that I just I just kind of wonder sometimes what what's out there for them. I, I do think losing D'Antoni hurt them. Obviously, they've had a ton of situations to deal with. Um, but the like the thing was shuttering Bruce Brown for half the year, what was that?
1: Yeah, I think they were just trying to find some other solutions. They like experimented last year throughout the season. They wanted to get Kessler Edwards and David Duke some time and just see whether those guys could play a little bit. I think he's learned a little bit from Steve Kerr and just wanted to feel like he was still involving everybody. Give people at least some feeling that they might play or some feeling that they know what NBA reps are like. So I I, I, get that. I, I don't think that he actually thought that those guys were better than Bruce Brown. It was just he knew what he had in Bruce Brown. And, you know, at that time, they actually weren't headed towards the ninth seed. So it felt like they had some games to play with a little bit here.
2: Yeah, that's true. They, I mean, they were in first place in the East not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, that's Kinda amazing.
1: Wild. I mean, when's the last time a team... Was that good? And the Warriors are almost kind of going through a similar streak now, but yeah, a team was number one in the East or close to it that at that point and then just lost like 12 straight games or whatever it was. I mean, yeah, it's do you remember it's amazing year... how many spots <laughs> you lose in the standings when you do that?
2: Yeah, do you the only thing I compare it to do you remember that one year Utah completely fell apart? Uh, I want to say maybe they traded Darren Williams in the middle there too, but it was oh, like... yeah,
1: yeah, that was. Yeah, that would have they, been... Uh, they were like 11. 10
2: games over 500 at one point and finished like 30 and 52 or something. Like, it was unbelievable.
1: <laughs> okay, so as we're getting into, you've done 14 of yours yeah. so far. Who's number 15?
2: I'm going to put uh, Chris Finch at number 15. Uh little bit of a, uh, you know, he's he doesn't have as much experience, obviously. I think he's done a good job with the Wolves. And I guess this was in line with my priors because I thought he was among the best or about the best uh, coach that was not an NBA head coach based on what he had done in the G League and uh, some of the other things I had heard about him too. So I guess I'm not surprised that he's had success in Minnesota. So I think he's kind of earned his way up to the middle of the pack.
1: Yeah, I had him just... Right in this group with a bunch of these relatively new coaches, actually. It's going to be fascinating to get into some of them. I had him 18, but again, in this same tier. So sure. I, you know, I I can't really die on the hill that Chris Finch is the 18th rather than the 15th <laughs> best coach in the NBA. I I don't really have any empirical evidence. Come on, let's, that.
2: let's throw down for 30 minutes about this.
1: Yeah, but uh, Finch... It's interesting the way that they've done it, actually. I think they've disappointed a little bit on the offensive end, in part that's been because they've just been playing defensive guys at the four, Jared Vanderbilt, McDaniels. I think he's, it it hasn't been quite as comical, but he's taken a little bit of a page out of Jim Boylan's book with the Bulls to get them to defend. They're starting to get carved up a little bit at times, but I mean, these guys are now eight games over 500. You know, they're on pace for a 46-win season, I mean, that's way above where most people had them and i mean it really as you watch them it would be difficult and that's one of the things that i like about it is like as i watch the wolves there are a few times where i'm like what is this guy doing like they're aren't those obvious things that stick out to you where you're like man like they could be doing this better i think they've done a pretty good job getting what they have uh, out of the current personnel everyone seems to be happy there so gerson Rosas kind of went out on a limb to hire chris finch when he did without a a process he came under fire for not hiring david vanterpool who you know i think they had enough exposure to him to know that they didn't want to hire him and that move has absolutely worked out i mean that's probably the biggest thing gerson Rosas did now deposed general manager yeah, uh, that really did work out. And Chris Finch, I think, is a the keeper there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's going to go down as his best move. I don't know. What about Culver? <laughs> oh, man. It got so cold in here all of a sudden. What happened? <laughs> Somebody opened a window yeah. or something.
1: So, so Finch is right in that group to me for sure. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned how his reputation was really good before this. Who's your number 16?
2: Uh, So I had Nash 16. And then I kind of had yeah. a group of... um. Veteran coaches who have some accomplishments but have also displayed some warts. Uh, and a lot of them, the last two years, have gotten a lot of credit. Um, so I actually had this was like a separate tier for me, and I had six coaches in it. Uh, and the top guy in that tier I had was Billy Donovan, who I think is pretty effective at managing a regular season getting through to his stars you know there's never any drama as teams and everything and then he gets to the playoffs he's totally on autopilot and and that's it
1: you know you you said that before i've thought that when he had a real team that had any kind of versatility because those those okc teams after kd left between the inflexibility of westbrook who you know i I mean i think there was a time when we only saw westbrook and oklahoma we were like yeah maybe donovan like you know just hasn't been able to get as much out of Westbrook like he's so inflexible oh mm-hmm. uh, no I think you can ask Frank Bogle and Mike D'Antoni and Scott Brooks last year as well about right. you know, how easy it is to get Russell Westbrook to, to do something else um I thought in 2016 he did some really good things that were w- would belie your criticism okay and then I just didn't think he had any options on the even that uh 2020 OKC team they had like the three small guards they basically had five players on that whole team who are any good that he just had to play those guys um you know I, I will agree with you schematically i thought like against the jazz in that series that they lost them like they're putting two on the ball and pick and roll against a team that didn't really have very threatening pick and roll ball handler you know they're like double teaming ricky, ricky rubio 25 feet from the basket like i didn't like that um so i'm getting wound up here remembering all, sure. all these past players so i i would give him i i think i agree with your criticisms some i would push back on them some a little bit uh, on him as a playoff coach.
2: Okay. Okay. I I I thought the 2020 OKC Houston series like he did enough bad things that I was like, "Whoa." Uh, Do
1: you recall just, any
2: of them? Just simple stuff like at the end of game 7, offensive possession, pulls Steven Ad- won't pull Steven Adams off the floor.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, like I mean, that that well, was a, that Steven was an obvious Adams, one. I, I mean he could get an offensive rebound for you. I don't know. Uh
2: with, with like <laughs> 1.8 on the clock
1: i <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I mean, that, yeah, that last possession at the end of the game. So, yeah, I had Billy at 14. I, I okay. think he's done a very good job this year. I mean, he's probably top five in coach of the year this year for me. And what they've done defensively when they actually have had everyone healthy, I think has been very impressive. He's got a lot of a very limited roster. He's kept them together very well from a spirit perspective. That,
2: I'll say this that bench right now is trash. Oh, my God. I was watching them last night. It's like, Wow, you're playing Derek Jones Jr., Tony Bradley, and Troy Brown at the same time and trying to score? Like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> like,
1: this yeah. is rough. And he's done a good job. You know, DeRozan is really difficult to build around defensively. He's done a good job of going to these defensive units around DeRozan. They staggered DeRozan and Levine pretty well. Now, would we feel differently about the Bulls if they hadn't won, you know, four games more than their point differential would have suggested so far this year? And I I'm not going to give Billy credit for Demar Derozan hitting one-legged three-pointers at any yeah. games. Yeah, but still, I, I think he's done a very good job. So yeah, I mean, I don't think we're really in that big of a difference here. I just kind of had Donovan in. It sounds like you might have in a slightly lower tier, but overall, we're pretty close on the ranking. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So who's who's your next guy? I was, uh, I was high on this guy last year. I had him right about in this range. Okay. You expressed some surprise. I okay. would say that the results since then have at least somewhat validated me, although we're getting now into this group of young coaches, some of them first-year head coaches, where we just haven't seen them in the playoffs. And so you're kind of like... Would you rather go with the young coach who's, you know, shown some good upside in the regular season, but maybe he's not on a great team yet, he hasn't been in the playoffs, or would you rather go with, you know, the Nate McMillan type where the guy's got experience, he's been in the playoffs, hasn't necessarily covered himself in glory uh, over the course of their entire career? And I think I would rather just go with the known-unknown rather than the known-known, but at least where the small sample's been good. And at the top of that list of guys for me is Mark Degnault, who I think has done a wonderful job in Oklahoma City this year.
2: He has won more games than expectation, definitely.
1: Um, how are these guys, with as young as they are and as tanky as they are, mm-hmm. what are they, like 12th in defense? I mean, they how is 12th, that possible?
2: They are 12th in defense. That is impressive. Yeah, can't can't deny that. Um, yeah, with the guys they are playing. I mean, Jeremiah Robinson, the 4th, the 5th, and 6th in minutes for them this year. Am I reading this right? Are Dar- Darius Baisley
1: Trey they made man. into a good defensive player, by the way.
2: Uh, yeah, Trey Mann, uh, you know, Kevin Williams is sixth, who's actually good. That, then Jeremiah Robinson Earl seventh, Aaron Wiggins eighth, Poku ninth, Ty Jerome tenth. Like, they're got, they're, there's some badness here.
1: Now, what you uh, I mean, would have like. They have no rim protection, right? Like, like if you just look at their front court, which is usually the biggest determiner of your defense, like they don't have the personnel to be 12th at all. And then you consider that they're all young and you consider that, you know, this is a team that's obviously not trying to win this year. I, I think it's just been really impressive. I really liked some of his play calling at the end of games to get guys in position to succeed as well. Um, you know, so haven't I haven't really seen any just like obvious flubs when I've been watching them at the end of close games either. You know, timeout usage, that sort of stuff has been good. Challenge usage has been good. So I I just really like his approach. And then just keeping these guys playing hard from a spirit perspective, given what the team is doing this year, I I find very impressive also. Yeah, I just, so
2: I just think there's... It was hard for me to put him I wrestled with him because I feel like we don't really know yet. Um I sure. like I I agree that the defensive performance this year is impressive. Personnel wise, we sort of assume that he's playing these bad players because those are our his instructions or but like we, we don't know. Like it, like if he actually thinks Jeremiah Robinson Earl is better than Mike Muscala, that's a problem, right?
1: Uh but but John, Mike Mike Muscala has a very severe ankle injury. Like, <laughs> he hasn't played since the beginning of February. <laughs> clearly there there must be something wrong with them i guess i guess there's
2: just something wrong well, is, as well long but,
1: as- but i will say this john like he's also on board with the organization he's on board with development he was on board last year when they lost 19 of their final 20 games yeah or whatever uh so i i mean i think like i view that as a strength honestly i mean i i don't think he actually thinks that poku is better than mike bascala like you, there's not a coach in the league that dumb
2: right right so so we give him him the benefit of the doubt, but I do want to see him in a game where he's playing games, in a scenario where he's playing games that actually matter. Like, I can't put him too high until that happens.
1: No, I understand that and I just, I, I'm willing to, to bet on, on the come with him. And also, like, by the way, when they were what, I think they are 16 and 19 when Shea played last year with not exactly an all-star cast then either.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, His teams have way outperformed their point differential two years in a row. That's, that's I mean, I don't that'll know ha- how... That'll happen yeah.
2: when you lose by 80
1: (laughs) but but and again i I don't want to say that's necessarily going to sustain but at a minimum he hasn't been like fucking up in close games
2: yeah yeah true
1: you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. Um, another guy I had in this group who I've been yeah. really impressed with is Willie Green this year.
2: Okay. So he was a guy, I actually moved him up from our first, our episode one last week. Cause I had, I had him yeah. lower and then, you know, I went to New Orleans, I watched the Pelicans. I talked to some people and I was like, okay, I got this guy too low.
1: Um, but what did they say?
2: Just everyone seems Pretty happy with him. And like New Orleans is a place where like it wasn't hard to get people to dish on the coaches, <laughs> right? So, so the fact that they,
1: <laughs> hey, that they, <laughs> David Griffin has given them all the ingredients they need as a coaching, staff. All, the,
2: all the answers to the test, right? So, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, that's what it was, right?
2: Yeah, yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But so I also think as the year has gone on, like the CJ trade definitely helped them, but I was, I was down on him at the start of the year. Like they were given so much rope to like Nikhil Alexander Walker in particular. It was like, just put him out there and just let let him kill them with, with shot selection. And I think he's figured some things out as, as the year has gone on about how to optimize his guards, about how to optimize Ingram. He's kind of made this Jackson hayes front court pairing work, at least to start games, which sort of buys him time while he's had injuries. Gotten a lot out of Herbert Jones. Wasn't afraid to say, look, I know Trey Murphy was drafted higher, but Herbert Jones is just better and I'm just going to start yeah, him from day one. I mean, one. Herbert
1: Jones has just been like, to like, say, all right, we're basically just going to start this second round rookie and actually be right to start him. That's impressive. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And then like they're them being 19th in defense with their personnel, I think is actually pretty good, right? They're designed to be an offensive team. So Um, I, yeah, yeah, I give him, I give him credit for that. And there's, you know, a lot of bench limitations. He, um, even stuff like he deep six Sadoransky almost right away. And I think that ended up being probably the right call. Right? He didn't sure. He didn't end up wasting uh too too much time on that when he's when he saw what was happening. So I think o- overall he's he's done a pretty commendable job in his first season there. We'll see how the stretch run goes there. Uh potentially reincorporating Zion is gonna be possibly problematic. And obviously it's his first season and whatnot, but so far, so good there, I would say.
1: Yeah, another guy who's just been able to keep them going from a, a spirit standpoint. I can't remember whether they started six and tw- last year or this year, <laughs> but they started 6-22. and 22 They start every six year
2: 6-22, and 22, don't they? Because I actually thought it was the year yeah. before with Gentry that they started 6-22. and 22. <laughs>
1: <laughs> But he's kept them together. I mean, when Brandon Ingram's been available, they've been a 500 team, which is, is really impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I would pay him the ultimate compliment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I believe that Willie Green, the coach, is such a good coach that he would realize that he shouldn't have played Willie Green, the player. <laughs> Which, which for the for those of you who did not follow the Willie, nba willy green years the, ago Willie green the player was big on the long twos uh yeah i mean he was like doc rivers would just like keep playing him i think for the didn't he play for the clippers like he got got a lot of tick for them yeah w- Willie green the player was i mean because i assume that because of the personal aspects that made him a good coach that's why all of his coaches loved him but yeah he was uh not a guy who should have been getting a, a lot of minutes yeah yeah back then okay who else we got here Nate McMillan had him in a lower group here of the kind of known knowns, veterans, won't kill you. I'm just basically the entire argument for having him hire was what he did last year. I don't think he's covered himself in glory this year. I don't think he really covered himself in in glory previous to that. Although I'm sure he his defenders would say, hey, what happened to the Pacers after he left? But I think he's as a playoff coach, I'm not wowed by him. He still hasn't figured out what to do against a Switch. Defense and I think he's just fine. He's just fine.
2: I don't. I don't really have a lot to say as a retort. I mean, I, I think he gets regular season results. Like I, I don't. I don't think he's that far away from being Billy Donovan. Let me put it that way. Um, no.
1: So no, that's reasonable. I, I think, uh, and I, I would say McMillan did one of his best jobs in the playoffs. But also, they had some pretty easy matchups last year to get to the conference finals, and I would say they've disappointed slightly. Like their defense has been atrocious this year. Like I don't think they should be this bad.
2: I agree with that. They they did have a good game plan for the Knicks in the first round.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. They completely shut down Julius Randle again. Out coaching Tom Thibodeau in the playoffs, I'm not going to give you too much credit
0: for that. <laughs> Burr. This, is, this um, is the fun. This is the yeah. fun part here. Yeah.
1: So I had, I had McMillan at number 21. What did you have him at?
2: Uh, I had him at 19.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, there's just I was hopeful that maybe he they would be able to continue what they did in the playoffs last year at least to some degree and you know be a fourth or fifth seed and i I might have him higher if that were the case but also he's got a very very long track record not that guys can't turn over a new leaf we'll get to a couple of those but yeah um yeah i i had him a little bit below some of these other guys here uh because i just think they have a little more upside i just don't think nate mcmillan has much upside as a coach my number 19 okay uh i to i date 16 green 17 finch 18 closing out this year i have two more okay at 19 and 20 jason kidd is my number 19 coach Coach.
2: i had him at 21 just,
1: yeah. i wasn't yeah. sure what
2: to do with him okay so clearly conceptually he's done a lot better job defensively here than he did in milwaukee right like their, yeah, their scheme I, I did is their
1: game did their game last night against the jazz they okay. really connected they did a great job of not guarding the guys who need to not be guarded on the jazz i, I thought they did had one of the best defensive performances against the jazz that i've seen all year
2: yeah, and you know that uh, the, the, they do a great job taking away transition too, which I think I like. I really noticed the two Memphis games; they they just weren't going to allow the Grizzlies to run, and they were going to play offense in such a way that the Grizzlies couldn't run, which which I thought was pretty pretty clever. The the two things lurking in the background with kid or the, the main thing, you know, at some point he's going to burn this to the ground, right? It, it, there's no chance this ends well.
1: Ah. Uh... I don't know they said that in LA and it didn't happen. He, I mean, I he did okay, he did he, he yeah, he he did not he did not do what
2: many people thought he would do. That, that is true. I
1: I don't know. I think that's being a little like yes, you know, there was the Brooklyn attempted coup and then in Milwaukee there was you know, trying to get more of a personnel voice and trying to do the wanting to do the Carter Williams trade which was a disaster and Rashad Vaughn, um, yeah, that was that was a Jeff Schwartz thing, right? Although it was Jeff Schwartz, Jason the, yeah, Kemp's yeah, agent
2: too. exactly. Yeah, that's right. yeah,
1: so I mean, I, I think that's a possibility. that might be like too facile to say that he's going to do. That. I mean, also he's working, although I guess he was great friends with the Edens as, as well, and and well known in the Nets organization as well. So that doesn't preclude it, but you know, they obviously believed in his character a lot to bring him in. That was a big part of why he's even there, and and I think that's his there hasn't been any weird shit yet right i mean even porzingis he got him to buy in more so i i've i think he's done a great job this year I mean, if you're judging him solely on what he's done this year i think clearly he's in the top half of the league as a coach just this regular season
2: i would i would agree with that yeah i'm just also i'm just just waiting i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop with him
1: yeah so and that's he could be higher let's see what happens in the playoffs i think that'll be (laughs) fascinating for him and then another coach that i i mean and now jason kidd i tell this story sometimes danny and i were recording coach rake i think it was in what would that have been 2018 and literally as we were recording the segment in which we were ranking him last in the league news came in that he was fired <laughs>
0: Huh? Sh- so shows yeah, a so good he's choice. definitely
1: moved up in my estimation. Um, okay. And another guy who has is J.B. Bickerstaff, who I have at number 20.
2: Yes, I had him at number 20 also. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously they're number four in defense this year. He, it's funny because it, this goes back to it. He was our coach in Memphis, obviously. and He just loves big lineups and he, like he made it work and everyone thought it wouldn't work and no, it actually worked. So I think he gets a lot of credit for that.
1: Yeah, and to be fourth in defense, with Kevin Love, Lowry, Markinen, Jetty, Osmond, Darius Garland, like yeah, they got the two. They've got Mobley and they've got Jared Allen. Who's the third best defender on this team? A Coro? Like he's probably below average as like your primary wing defender. Scott, it's a coral he's got by, to play, great.
2: Yeah, it's a coral by default, and he doesn't play a lot of fourth quarters, right? Because he's so limited offensively. So I, yeah, I think I think he's done a nice job, and he's had to patch together some lineups too. I mean, there's no, been absolutely it's lo- not. There's like been a lot been, of Brandon Goodwin, Dean Wade kind of fourth quarters going on there.
1: No, and, and they really have just had a ton of injuries in ways that probably aren't appreciated as much because they've continued to exceed expectations even so. So certainly based, you know, he's in the coach of the year conversation this year. I haven't seen him at all in the playoffs. And the, the one yeah. time he was in the playoffs, obviously it was with a dysfunctional Houston team, but he didn't do a great job there either. And then, so I, I do think there is kind of still some, old school inflexibility element there but they're not going to be favored to win a playoff series this year either the, you know this could just be one of these hey this is this year's surprise team we're giving the coach too much credit but again i'm i like the upside of him more so than some who are below him i mean he's done a great job this year and i don't think you can say that about some of these
2: yeah i mean i guess i've also because i've also seen him like i know like just like seeing him run a practice and like keep a locker room pointed in the right direction and all that like he's he's pretty drama free yeah
1: and again if you can get a young team to defend I'm always really impressed by that
2: yes yeah it's great so that
1: that ended my 11 through 20 tier who else do we need to talk about here
2: um so I had two guys sort of at the back end of this tier uh, first one is Tom Thibodeau, who, look, he has his weaknesses and he's getting, you know, he's getting his arrows this year. Um, uh, but I, I do think he accomplishes a lot for a team and just in terms of, uh, preparation. And like I don't know, last year with the Knicks, I think people forget like what a jarring difference it was from your typical shit show Knicks to like, oh, these guys are actually prepared and dug in. And they're like, 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 whoa, what happened here? Um, so predictably, I mean, I do think he's, he's a year one coach in a lot of ways, right? You're, you're not hiring him for long-term excellence as much and we've seen some of that this year but there was also some regression that I think had to be baked in but I also think it's interesting like a lot of his worst weaknesses haven't really come to the fore this year right because they have so many average players that he hasn't done the thing where he plays his five best players 47 minutes they, yeah. they just well, well they the just...
1: RJ ankle injury was pretty sad that was a bad one yeah
2: can't argue that
1: I had Tom Thibodeau 27th mm, and wow. th- the reason for that uh, although in a in a group from 21 to 28 so i you know you could argue he could be as high as 21 but okay
2: okay fair
1: but but the criteria that we had at the start of this which i might want to reiterate is you're signing this coach to a four-year contract and who do you want coaching your team for the next four years and number one he's terrible in the playoffs. uh i mean i think this is last year was the uh, relative to the regular season obviously but last year was I think the third time that he's lost in Game Five in a series with home court advantage—that's that's not good. Wow,
2: wow, that's that's hard to do.
1: And then you also like just very unimaginative offense, particularly in the playoffs. Totally inflexible as far as like not playing a, your traditional rim protecting center,
2: which which is crazy because like they so last night against Sacramento they played Randall at five and just murdered them. Like, it just wasn't even funny, but I don't think they would have done it except Mitchell Robinson had to come out two minutes into the game.
1: Yeah. Now, I do think that he's maybe turning over a little bit of a new leaf with the team realizing they're not making the playoffs and he's not going to go insane trying to win every game. He's actually playing some of the young guys now, like partially due to injury, but still, you know, like Jericho Sims, he's actually playing him over Taj Gibson. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, 36-year-old Taj Gibson, not (laughs) maybe in the Knicks long-term plans. Let's get a look at Jericho... Jericho Sims but there have been reports of of tension of like him not wanting to play Cam Reddish just some of all the old Thibodeau stuff popping up again it just doesn't seem like he can get along with a front office over four years and there's just no upside there that was the big reason even after last year when he got them a lot better I was still was kind of lukewarm on the hiring I only ranked him I think 19th last year because it's just especially because he's not a good playoff coach it's like all right you can get a bump for a year or two but then like what good does that really do you in in the grand scheme of things and oh yeah by the way if i'm talking about who i want to hire he might get me fired too (laughs) as a uh front office guy so i'm that's why i have him lower i I do think he can he gets guys to play hard he's rehabilitated his reputation some in new york i mean do you am i crazy to have him this low i
2: see there's so many unproven guys that we're getting into that it's hard to say because it because there's we're getting into guys
1: where we just don't know a whole hell of a lot about them yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Would you rather have Dwayne Casey or Tom Thibodeau? As your- I wrestled with that cuz Casey was the next guy on my board. <laughs>
2: so, it was it was really close for me.
1: Uh and and
2: and I'm not I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure I know the answer. Uh
1: to, I, I would rather have Casey. I had okay. Casey 24 and Thibodeau okay. 27.
2: I also had Casey 24. Um, we we don't have a lot to go on from his Detroit tenure,
1: right? I wish they were a little better defensively this year. Their their personnel on the offensive end is so atrocious. They have one guy on the team who can shoot, who plays the one through three positions other than Cade. Yeah, yeah. You're
2: saying that Killian Hayes can't shoot?
1: Now, Casey, I, and he was very good in Toronto. Like, he did win a coach of the year. Yeah, he ended up getting fired. I don't think he was amazing in the playoffs. I don't think he was horrible in the playoffs. And those teams before they got Kawhi Leonard were more regular season type of teams. Yeah, he usually gets a lot out of his bench. I don't think his teams make mistakes. Like they usually play pretty hard. I think he's just a totally solid coach. You know, he he and McMillan, I think, have some similarities of just kind of more old school NBA coaches. Not the most progressive philosophy, but get their team to play hard. Um, you know, I think Casey maybe is better. In the locker room than mcmillan you know you do, you have seen some infighting on mcmillan teams and it, his part of his philosophy was you know i'm not gonna like handhold guys or anything in the locker room i don't change that much with the with the hawks so right um yeah i mean casey to me is like totally competent you know like if he got another job after detroit you know if if that ends and they gave, even gave him an extension as well if he got another job after detroit i wouldn't i don't think that i would have a problem with that
2: yeah, I'd, I'd,
1: I'd agree with that. James Borrego, what do you make of him? He's so, 22.
2: I know. I had him higher last year. I mean, I think Charlotte's done some good stuff on the player development front, especially. But defensively, I mean, this team is just so shitty that I can't put him higher than 25th. Like they And the stuff they do is so bad. Some of their mistakes, like sometimes they just look like they don't give a shit or they'll end up with four guys on the baseline a lot and just give up these jailbreak four-on-ones going the other way. Uh, so I, I just don't know what's going on there their personnel isn't
1: that bad defensively correct you know they've got some decent wings with some length like they, they should be a little bit better than they are I think and uh yeah it just I don't really he's got a young team I, I don't think he's done a bad job with the Hornets but and they've kind of like they'll have these portions of the season where they exceed expectations and you know they were grading close games last year but yeah I mean you're right they just have so many times where you're watching them and like this is just a track meet like this isn't even a real basketball game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I, I, you know, I do think he has some good modern philosophies. He'll try to, you know, force turnovers or switch a lot or junk it up with zones, whatever. Like, you will try some of that stuff. But still, I I just, it it doesn't seem like, all right, this is it. You never watch this team you're like, oh, this is a really disciplined team here. <laughs>
2: I, it's funny you you because i i do watch them and say that exact same sentence but the letters u n are added in the middle
1: yeah yeah so i, I mean i think he's I'll give him some credit that he hasn't just, he didn't just give LaMelo like all of the rope immediately. Like, if he actually, even wide. now,
2: he'll yeah. pull him in fourth quarters, even now. I give him credit for that. Right.
1: But yeah, I, I I do wonder where they are with him as a coach, you know, in the next year or two, that that's something that maybe could, it could be a situation where they end up wanting a new voice in there if, if they kind of stagnate.
2: Yeah. I, I definitely have wondered that myself.
0: What do you make of... There are three
1: other coaches who are new this year that I also had in this group. Yep. Chauncey Billups, Wes Unseld Jr., and Jamal Mosley. What do you make of those guys? That, what did you, what I, order did you end up putting them?
2: I had them 26, 27, 28. I went Unseld, huh. Billups, Mosley. Unseld, I thought, got the, has gotten the most results, especially early in the year. Um, he's actually kept them pretty competent, considering Beal, um, you know, is out for the year now i uh, do like they went sideways there for a little bit uh defensively they could maybe be a little better still uh some of the stuff juggling three centers has been a little baffling before they finally traded
1: harrell so yeah, i think he was kind of under orders to play thomas bryant during sorta, that period when things so, really went went poorly
2: yeah sort of had that vibe but it was like they i mean they kind of completely forgot about daniel gafford for like a solid month there um uh, I, like, I, I, at the same time, I don't have. I don't have some overwhelming criticism of him, and it looks like they're going to end up with like pretty close to where you would have projected them at the start of the year. It's his first season. I think we're still learning about him. I don't know. Did you do
1: you have any hot takes on him? Not really. I think he's done. He's had some moments in game that I've liked reasonably well. It, the player usage has been odd at times, but he also all right. He has to play Ruihaji Murray. He has to play Thomas Bryant. Bradley Beal comes back in like he and Dinwiddie. Witty don't like each other and obviously until didn't really seem to help much with that situation i would give it him incomplete I, I don't think he's done a poor job a lot of people i respect were saying he was doing well at the beginning But they were—they just kind of got lucky from a point differential. Yeah, exactly. The start. Yeah. So I.
2: He also missed a ton of games there for a while, where Joe Blair was coaching
1: the team. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and Bull. I had Billups twenty-five and Unseld twenty-six again. I'm not going to fight you if if you have Unseld higher higher than Billups. This is
2: outrageous.
1: That is totally (laughs) indefensible. Yeah starting the season off with hey let's get some more pressure on the perimeter let's put two on the ball we're gonna fly around like we played this drop coverage that sucks well okay but if you're gonna have Yusuf Nurkic 25 feet from the basket and you've got Damon CJ as two of your help defenders it may not go too well for you you know they're just giving up a ton of threes early on he was like you know wants Robert Covington to be his stopper and pressuring the ball full court and you know anybody who's watched Robert Covington Knows that he's better as a help defender than your one on one pressure guy. So I think it took him a while to figure it out, but this is another team that hasn't let go of the rope. If they weren't tanking, they probably would have made the play in, despite Dame said, you know, he hasn't missed the whole year, but he's going to miss like two thirds of the year, and he was ineffective in the other time. Uh, they've developed Simons pretty well. Nasir Little has developed pretty well this year. So I, I think it, it looked really bad at first. You know, if we did these rankings a month into the season, I probably would have had him 30 yeah there's a chance
2: of that yeah he would he would have been down there certainly Uh,
1: but you know still still incomplete he's not gonna have a real team the rest of the year so he's not gonna have much opportunity to move up the rest of the way how about Mosley item t-
2: yeah i mean item twenty eighth. i like again is how much is there really to say here um you know it's a it's a young team that's not really trying to win they have very little offensive talent i i do think they could get the ball more to franz wagner at times and feature yeah, the guards yeah less. I, I
1: noticed that uh last week when we did their game against the Pacers.
2: so that i mean that would be probably the harshest critique i could offer i mean carter and bomba seem to have a long and got better uh you know Suggs Suggs was pretty bad at the start and seems
1: to have rounded
2: into shape a little bit yeah did I, he get,
1: is he over 20 percent on threes now
2: oh well let's not get crazy I mean I don't know if he's come that far oh no 22.6 all right here we go uh <laughs> so I again I I, I just don't have a, I just don't have a lot to work with. I want to see him with more of a more of a real team. I don't I don't have any huge demerits here, but there's there's just not a lot to discuss and they're really bad right now.
1: They are. I think and I think he's also been they're just having a weird year, right? Like Markel Fultz took forever to come back. They knew that this is a gap year from the very beginning of the season. Suggs has gotten a ton of entitlement minutes. He's really killed them. You know like if they were trying to win games, yeah, you know, they'd play Gary harris they'd start gary harris at the two next to cole anthony and maybe they'd play terrence ross a lot more they'd make franz wagner the four This bomba carter together thing they probably wouldn't really do much of that they would have played robin lopez as the backup center and they probably could have been a lot more respectable than they have been if they've done all those things they could not play admiral Schofield as the backup center these (laughs) these types of things when you've got robin lopezville so i just i think i would give him an incomplete you know they're were a few things in this Pacers game that I watched recently where i thought they really could have done a better job. You know, you, you mentioned the late game play calling where they could have Wagner is having this great game and they just forget about him in the fourth quarter in overtime. So I, I think all that is uh it's just too hard to judge him because this is clearly so many guys playing entitlement minutes. And as long as everyone's happy there at this point and they get their draft pick next year when Isaac comes back and they got Fultz, they might actually have kind of a deep team. They'll have another draft pick. That's when like this actually starts for him.
2: Yeah. Yep. All right.
1: So I had two guys in my bottom tier. I think I had the same two guys. Steven Silas at number 29 the Rockets are atrocious defensively another one of these teams that you see where you're like yeah this is not a disciplined team obviously it's you know Jalen Green for a lot of the years been one of the worst regular players in the NBA Kevin Porter Jr. will have moments but he also will just have these games with six turnovers he doesn't really have a true point guard on the roster they're not really trying to win this year they signed Daniel Tice and they just started him because they signed him and they said they would probably start him when they signed him and like he was saddled with that for a while, and Tice was terrible. So again, it's been difficult for him to be sure. But I also this is one of those ones where it's like, what is your argument for keeping your job at this point?
2: They, just, I mean, they just always look like a team that rolled the balls out, uh, is is the best way I can describe it. And so, I mean, yeah, he's you know he was hired to coach James Harden, and that's not what happened there at all. So you you feel for him because he got a raw deal there. But he also I I would I would say he's not made the most. To that deal either and even like among the veteran guys like Christian Wood half-asses it all the time um, so you know just just is he getting the most out of his guys I sort of question that and then the discipline at both ends I think leaves a lot to be desired
1: yeah every once in a while they can look frisky they also have what 12 and 15 game losing streaks this season um,
2: yeah and they closed last year what uh, were they like 6 and 45 at the end of last year or something it, like it was bad yeah. so yeah
1: Yeah, it was something... It it was... it wasn't very good I mean, and like they had
2: some actual players you know what I mean like it shouldn't have been that bad
1: I, I think you know he's on board with management I don't think that the team you know he's had to manage some difficult personalities I don't think they've fallen apart from a togetherness standpoint Jalen Green has taken some steps forward he's an empowered Shingun you know it hasn't been terrible like if you gave him a real team I'm not gonna be like oh yeah he's gonna drive this team into the ground by any means again I, like the fact that he's number 29 to me speaks to Hey, we're in a pretty good place right now. In the I would, agree with, yes. yeah, I would and agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And then the person who unfortunately doesn't appear to have the answers to the test.
2: I okay. I I had him twenty I mean, he's at least done stuff in the league, right? Like he got he got Phoenix it's to a conference a while, finals. Though. Okay, so I I where I ended up with because I, I thought about putting him uh, more in like the Dwayne Casey territory, and what I just ended up with is Alvin Gentry coaching this team is just not. <laughs> it's not going to work, right? Like it's not it. So yeah, and yeah, and I mean yeah. he's a you know he's an interim he inherited with what you know he inherited a luke luke walton team
1: who did we have him 30th last year he was a run there i can i can tell you what i had him he was certainly he was certainly 30 ish Right?
2: I, he definitely wasn't higher than twenty nine.
1: I had no I had him at twenty eight. I had uh, Scott Brooks one spot below Luke Walton last year.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: And uh, Steven Silas was twenty seven.
2: Oh i that's oh, probably a good we had, time. We, I had think, we had we yeah. had boy we had Boylan thirtieth, I think.
1: Uh well that would have been two years ago.
2: Was that two years ago already? Wow. Yeah. I gotta I gotta check my punch clock and see uh, see when I uh,
1: rang it out. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, actually, that's a good time now to talk about our biggest risers and biggest fallers okay. over the last couple of years here, or the last year. So, I had Thibodeau. You had Thibodeau, I think, above me, right? I have, I had him at 19. I moved him down to 27 this year.
2: I want to say last year I had him like at 12 or something. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I moved him to 23.
1: Uh, Nash, I had at 9 last year. I moved him down to 11. I probably should have him a little bit lower. Uh, Doc River. Went from eight to thirteen. For I me. yeah,
2: I made a similar move with him. Popovich, I want to say I had him like fifth or something last year. I moved him to thirteenth.
1: Yeah, and I I've been ahead of you. I had Pop at eleven last year, and now I actually had him in the in the low twenties this year. Um, Rick Carlisle was a huge faller for me. Actually, I had him four last year in the top tier, and yeah. I moved him down to tier three, number twelve.
2: I didn't I didn't go down as as far for him. Uh, I'm, ch- I'm trying to see who else would have would have taken a a drop for me. I'm I'm not sure there's anyone else who like shifted more than a couple spots. The guy that moved up a lot was Monty Williams.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had him 10 last year, which seemed like too high, probably, for a lot of people at this time last year, but now he's my number two this year. Yeah, yeah, me too. Steve Kerr was 13 for me last year, and I have him now at number four in tier two.
2: I want to say I had had him... I moved him up, too. I want to say I had him, like, eighth or something last year. I don't have my list in front of me, so I'm I'm going off of memory, but... I, I definitely moved him up from
1: last year michael Malone i moved from oh yes. up to eight
2: yes we argued about him because i i kept him in the same spot and you you went from being the anti-malone guy to the pro Malone guy uh, uh
1: jB bickerstaff uh, moved up oh big time yeah yeah he i mean he he was thirtieth for me last year and and i moved him up 20th this year um i i was talking to a mutual friend of ours who said maybe the fact that guys move around so much means that you're just ranking coaches is really hard <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's a fair point it's I mean there's so much there's a lot to evaluate that we don't totally know so I I do think it's hard yes yeah
1: no absolutely Uh, Chris Finch moved way up for me I mean he had just been hired when we did this last year so he was kind of more of an incomplete I liked his potential and that was really really nice to see who else am I missing here yeah I think that's about it Uh, I actually this is funny I actually moved Frank Vogel up from nine last year to six because they defended so well when they had like nobody available last year that was actually a positive data
2: wow yeah he he remains a difficult eval because of all that's going on there
1: yeah i think so well they're gonna try to get through the season with him john
2: (laughs) what a rigging endorsement that is Like,
1: if we could if we could swallow this awful tasting pill. I'll try not to throw it up. Basically, is what it's, it's, it's like. What you're talking about, like man. Uh, but, but I think I think he's a better coach than that. Obviously, so uh, yeah. And Taylor Jenkins moved up uh, for me from 16 to 10. The, that was pretty good.
2: I moved him up too. I want to say I had him 15th and I moved him to 9th, Maybe.
1: Yeah. All right. Who would you have as the best developmental coach in the NBA?
2: I think. Spolstra and Nurse probably have the best cases. Popovich still has to be in the discussion. Those would probably be the three I'd have at the top of the class.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Nurse, I got a downgrade for not giving the young players on the roster any kind of a chance at all.
2: Well, I mean, he's giving guys he likes. Yeah, he's given. I mean, he's given Scotty Barnes a chance, obviously, but he's only used six players the entire season.
1: Yeah, I think Spo would have to be up there. I do think the Warriors are starting to come around as far as development. They've upgraded their staff, but too early to say on that one. Memphis
2: would have to be in here too. I mean, Desmond Bain has, you know, the progress he's made, and what they did with having him play on the ball in summer league, I think, really was like impactfully helpful. And their other younger players have generally gone in the right direction too. So I, I would say they'd be up there.
1: How about uh, Malone and, and Denver. Oh, I
2: I completely neglected. They do a great job. Yeah, yeah, they they do a fantastic job on on player development. I think they they they. Draft guys and they really like there's synergy there with the coach in front office and they believe the guys they draft him and really give them every chance to succeed
1: yeah but I would agree with you I think Spolstra and and this ranking is probably more of a much more of a system thing than maybe anything else w- when you're really talking about a staff and organizational philosophy being in it's synergy a- with the front office
2: it's it's very organization dependent because the coach re- I mean having been on the front lines of this the coach cannot be focused on player development while the regular season is going on like that is not a thing that will ever happen The the there are too many high level things that the coach has to deal with that are just more important and so they they have to have like kind of as a ceo they have to have a system in place that can
1: run itself and yep. th- that's how they succeed the best coach for a veteran contender
2: best coach for a veteran contender i would put Ty Lue up there right yep uh I mean, t- t- you. I mean, it's the it's most of the guys who are at the top of our list, right? Like they've they've won big, and that's that's why we have them up there, right? So you would say, sure. Spolstra, Moni, Nurse, Kerr, like all those guys, right?
1: Yep. No, I, I would agree. I mean, maybe Rick Carlisle would would be higher on this. It's that's a veteran team that just kind of runs itself, and from an emotional standpoint, and he's just a really good playoff coach.
2: Yeah, yeah, I could agree with that.
1: Best communicator.
2: Uh. I think Popovich has to be in this discussion.
1: Oh, I disagree with you. I think he. There are definitely plenty of guys that just didn't want to be in that Spurs system and just didn't. They were. I don't think they were a good brand for a lot of guys as far as like wanting to go there necessarily. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, no, I am mean taking back the.
2: I mean the Kawhi thing you could argue is a turning point right
1: yeah I think you could and it's just it, like I think the Spurs a lot of what they did was getting guys who you know quote unquote getting guys who are over themselves right well not every player is over themselves and it's great if you can have Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan all there to kind of run things and those are the guys you brought in but you know who is the kind of bad seed that Pop has like gotten through to he got a little bit out of Steven jackson Steven
2: jackson would be would be a notable a one ago. at the, the beginning of their run uh i'm trying yeah, to think but then I Stephen mean,
1: jackson left <laughs> boris <laughs> but, D- yeah.
2: boris dia was way sideways with charlotte and they brought him in and rehabilitated
1: him <laughs> yeah so, sideways is one way to put it that's that's true uh but i i mean i'm not saying he's bad at it i, I mean i think you know i might have had doc rivers there until this I think doc, thing
2: like in 2008 doc might have been number one on this list i'm not sure he's
1: there yeah. anymore yeah, and also I think there's a lot of infighting with that 1920 Clippers group totally. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's younger in this but Steve Nash, I think that's a big part of what I've liked about him. Kerr would be up there for me too even though he's had his foibles you know the KD thing kind of unraveled a little bit I, I think number one to me would be Monty Williams though yeah I and mean, he's he's just the one guy that no one has ever had anything bad to say about on a personal level uh, as a coach yeah you know even even KD like kind of got sick of Steve Kerr you know there's and Tylo Ty would probably be number two for
2: yeah, I'd agree with that.
1: Best system.
2: Uh, So I think Quinn Snyder's going to get some votes here,
1: right? Yep. He, he's a... Uh, Bud's got to be in there too. Yes. I can't go there with Kerr because I think his system is just... We've never seen it succeed without Steph Curry.
2: It's an it's an interesting system. I don't know if it's the best one.
1: I, I mean, it's the best one for Steph Curry. You know, the, yeah. that definitely unlocks Steph Curry as an all-time player. Yeah, But he, we haven't seen him do anything else other than that. I, I mean, he almost is just too... He, he can't just do the easy, simple thing. It's like too boring for him sometimes. Right. I, I would say Quinn Snyder would probably be my guy, I think, for the best system with uh with maybe Bud number two.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think both of them really, fi- they figured out how to maximize what they had, which, I mean, especially to, to maximize regular season wins with what they had. I mean, they really figured it out, both those two.
1: Best motivator.
2: Hard to know because we're not in the room. I mean, again, I think Monty's going to get a lot of votes here though. Like if you ask the players, I think Monty would get a lot of votes.
1: No, I, I think that's really true. It, it's probably, I mean, just you know, who's getting their team to play the hardest every night? Uh, you know, I think maybe Spo, Spo
2: like, would have to be in there yeah. too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean they do it in kind of different ways. I mean, that's kind of why I t- differentiate between communicator and motivator. As far, I mean that's I kind of view that as like, all right, your team is playing hard no matter what at, at all times. Yeah, I probably I probably say Spo would, would be my my pick there. Couple more best playoff X's and O's. This
2: is a Rick Carlisle category, I think Teron Luke rates really highly here too, and Nick Nurse.
1: Those would probably be my three. Spo does th- 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 pretty good, I think, I, but like Nurse and Carlisle. <laughs> You know, and and I would say I would say Nurse and Carla would be my two of just guys who've yeah. gone to weird shit when it just wasn't working and, and just kind of found a way to jump yeah. through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most likely to move up. Most Likely to move up.
2: Like if we were when we do this a year from now, right. um I could see Willie Green and Chris Finch moving up.
1: How about Ime Yudoka? Yes, definitely. Although you had him very high. I
2: I had him at 10 already. But yeah, sure. I mean, depending on what happens here.
1: Yeah. I I mean, a lot of these guys are going to have opportunities. You know, I I think Steve Kerr, if the Warriors win it, could get back into that top, top group. Taylor Jenkins, if the Grizz make it to the conference finals. Yeah. Is, you know, because he's just in the regular season, he's probably higher than than 10th. Uh, You know, if Philly does well, Doc Rivers... Could uh, erase some of the sins of the past two years. Jason Kidd too. Yeah. I mean, you've kind of got these guys who haven't done it necessarily in the playoffs who are younger and might look pretty good. And then you've got yeah. these guys who've kind of had some more failures Yeah, uh, that could move up. Most likely to move down, Snyder.
2: Uh, yeah, hard to say because we'd we would already moved him down, right? Like, how much like yeah. how much further down would you really move Quinn Snyder if they lost in the first round this year?
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's. I mean, there might be some guys who just come up above him though who do perform well in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah,
2: uh, like if if Doc loses to like Cleveland in the first round or something, I think he <laughs> might end up moving down.
1: Oh man, no, that's that's tough. That's tough. Hardest to rank for you. Last one.
2: There, there were. I mean, all the new guys definitely.
1: Uh, yeah, but- let, let's leave the new guys out. The guys who have a little more of a track record. Jason Kidd. Yeah. Frank Vogel, because this season was just such a complete shit show. He was.
2: So that was the other name that I was going to say. Those are probably the two most challenging.
1: Agreed. All right. This is fun. Uh, Hopefully we pissed off everyone in the coaching community. uh, (laughs) Other than, other than Eric Spolstra. And (laughs) who who is the coach you would least like to have pissed off at you? That's, that's a question. Uh, The coach you would least
2: like to have pissed off at you. That, that actually, that might be the best question.
1: Well, well, I've certainly experienced it with Rick Carlisle, but I didn't take that personally because, you know, that's, that's just a, a regular Tuesday for Rick Carlisle.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think who's the coach that would just like,
1: I, I think it would be, I would actually, the one who's like actually a really nice guy and I would feel bad. I think that's what I would more like, like Mark Dagnall or something like that. Like if he was pissed off at me.
2: Uh, oh, I see, yeah. I mean, like Alvin Gentry is the best person in the world. Like every every single person he's worked with in the league absolutely loves him.
1: Yeah, uh, Alvin's got plenty of money though. Like he's he's he's, he's, he's been around for a long time. He's 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 too happy. He's not going to get angry uh, at anyone other than David Griffin. I don't think. And um, I don't I wouldn't want Steve Nash to be mad at me. I, I really like Steve Nash.
2: No, there's I mean there's not the guy right now though though where it's like Wes Unseld senior or something where you're like oh i definitely do not want that guy to be mad at me you know i, I don't think there's quite anybody yeah. like that coaching right now
1: yeah the 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 most physically intimidating coach in the nba that's yeah that, that could be a separate podcast on, on its own yeah um, yeah J- jamal mosley might get me fired he might he might turn all of the turn all the superstars against me so
0: <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right all right we're going off the rails here yeah very this is so. fun and we'll talk to you all again next week till then